Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. Welcome to episode two. I want to make sure that you know you are not alone. There are listeners in Washington State, Texas, California, Georgia, Arizona, Oklahoma, North Carolina, New York, Maine, Kansas, Florida, Alaska. We have listeners in Slovenia, United Kingdom, Germany, and the Bahamas. Today we're going to listen to some tough subjects, mainly because it's just impossible to listen to the music. Is Nero playing as Rome burns? Or is Rome not burning? Is Francis Collins making light of the situation? Or is the situation not as dark and grim as they'd make us believe? And at the end, we have a little bit from Anthony Fauci, where he talks about vaccines that have done more damage than good. And he alludes that this vaccine may be doing more damage than good. But first, a quick word from one of our supporters. Hey there, this is Doc. Today's broadcast is brought to you in part by Informed Consent and the principles codified at Nuremberg. I'm currently working with various groups of people to ensure that all principles codified at Nuremberg remain in effect to protect you. Here at After Hours, we enjoy our right to informed consent and good medicine. And we hope you exercise your right every day. Now back to After Hours. Have a good one. Doc out. Thank you for that, Doc. We'll keep you in our hearts and our prayers. The one who's singing this, is his name is Francis Collins. He's a physician, and he's the director of the NIH. And he's also Dr. Fauci's boss. Poof, coronavirus came from overseas, infecting folks across the land, Seattle, NYC. And while he's making this recording, I believe it's his wife, I'm not exactly sure, but she's just kind of went swimming across the screen. A little bats virus, love those human cells. A false statement. If it was actually found in a bat, it would go back to a bat very easily. It may have originally been found in a bat at some point before the gain of function was done to it, but this virus is very difficult, almost impossible to get it to go back into a bat. And so what that means is uh, when we had avian flu, so that's where influenza and a bird influenza, human influenza, bird influenza mixed, it went back and forth from birds to humans fairly easily. Same with swine flu. That does not happen with this coronavirus. Next thing you know, the cases grow and the world has gone to it's a family show. Heck, poof, coronavirus came from overseas, infecting folks across the land, Seattle, NYC. And I think it's his wife again that walks in front of the screen and she's got a hat with little spike proteins on it and a little toy on her hand with spike proteins on it. Quickly spread like a wildfire. Now we're in quarantine. Now no one can travel or even leave their homes. That's not true. You can leave your homes whenever you want. This will end when people say it ends. When when you, not anyone else, but when you say, I've had enough. I'm not going to stay in my home. I'm not going to get any more testing. I'm not going to do anything that infringes on my rights as a human. Then this will stop. Until then, it will continue to get worse. Schools are closed. All kids must know. Avoid the danger zone. 
But we've been told this entire time to watch the science. Now, I know this is an old video, so this may have been before they knew anything. But they were saying this. They're still saying it today. They're shutting down schools today. Kids have a... They're so low risk of getting this and having illness from this and, and dying from this. It's less dangerous than influenza. But yet we're destroying an entire generation. And I mean utterly destroying, losing IQ points, losing the ability to read human interaction. Uh, there's this book called Protecting the Gift. In that book, they discuss uh, how your whole life you have been able to watch human expression. And, and what that does is it allows you to, when you're around someone that just makes you feel uncomfortable and you're like, I need to get out of this situation because there's something not right with this person, you get that feeling from years and years and years of watching human expressions. There's an entire generation of children now, almost two years old, that have never seen a face outside of the home. My fear is that eventually they'll be able to, you know, predators will take advantage of this and they'll take that generation and they'll, they'll utterly destroy them. I also have problems that have concerns that kids won't be able to speak certain letters like the letter M is in Mike and the letter N is in November sound very similar. Now they sound even more similar and you can't see how the mouth moves to make the sounds with a mask on because everything's muffled. You can't see a face if it's smiling or frowning. You can't see the depression on someone's face. You can't see the fear. And, and we're teaching an entire generation to be fearful of others, to be fearful of getting grandma sick. That's one of the most heartbreaking things. Grandma will get sick either way. There's nothing we can do. I mean, we, we can help grandma with medicine by treating early is what should be the focus. We can help grandma by getting grandma healthy. But how tragic is it if a young child who's maybe three, old enough to make memories, goes and visits grandma or grandpa, then later overhears mom and dad talking about, oh, well, grandma's ill, and now the child is terrified because everything he's heard on the news. The next week, grandma or grandpa dies. That poor little child will carry that with him for the rest of his life and will blame himself for something that he had nothing to do with. Okay, so getting sick is part of life. Now, there are things that we can do today, early treatment, health, having a healthy diet. But we'll get into the healthy diet a little bit later. We all must do our part to protect the ones we love. So if you meet at least six feet and handle doors with gloves... No evidence that six feet actually does anything. I was listening to this lecture a while back by a engineer who was giving a case for masks, even though his entire case was against masks. He, he was saying that, you know, if you wear a mask, well, specifically he was talking about like particles. So let's go to the particle part of it. So if you had like a five uh, micron droplet and you dropped it at five feet, it would hit the ground in five seconds. If you had a 0.5 micron droplet, it would take 56 hours to hit the ground. It basically never hits the ground. It floats around forever. And N95, the smallest that it can filter out, is 0.3 microns. Now, to put that in perspective, the virus is about 0.15 microns. So it's half the size of an N95. What that means is it whizzes through both directions, completely unencumbered. And it almost never hits the ground because the particle size is so tiny. In N95, the way it works is it's not just a filter. It has a negative charge to the mask itself. And it's the negative charge through what they call van der Waals forces. That negative charge kind of grasps those little particles as they fly by and it stops them. If you just had a filter and you made the holes really small, it actually makes 
the air flow through those holes faster, give greater spread of particle. But the thing about those van der Waals forces is that you need a slight negative charge. If that mask becomes moist from your breath, then that negative charge is gone, and now it's no better than a surgical mask. So really, the whole idea of masking is it helps things like big sneezes from chunks falling onto people, but that's why we're supposed to cover those sneezes with our arm. The gloves. I've seen plenty of people walking around with gloves on. Gloves are, are made for people who know how to use them. And, and this is not a dig at people who use them. This is There's a fundamental misunderstanding. The glove is to protect the person wearing the glove and the patient. Like as a physician, I put on gloves when if I have to examine someone. And then I take the gloves off after I'm done with the examination. I typically only wear gloves when it's some sort of mucous membrane involved in the examination. And I wash my hands before and after. Now, what I don't do is I don't walk in from gloves that I had from another patient, see the patient touch everything in the room, and then walk back out. Well, what I see at the grocery store often is people walking around with gloves in their, on their hands. They touch every fruit. They touch all the, all the produce. They touch their purse. They touch their money. They touch their face. They touch their phone. They, they touch everything. So it really doesn't provide any help. Or, or the lady behind the counter selling the groceries, she's got gloves on to protect herself, but, but she's touching everything that I own and touching everything that the person owned ahead of me and everything the next person has. And then they touch the money. And so they're just, it's cross-contamination. And so it's, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how gloves actually work. Oh, oh, coronavirus came from overseas. Infecting folks across the land of Seattle, NYC. Poof, coronavirus called COVID-19. Quickly spread like wildfire, now we're in quarantine. We miss our camp fantastic and joining in the fun. Okay, so you don't need to miss any more fun. That, that's a false premise. Please stop missing the fun. Life continues. A nasty little virus says don't care for anyone. An historic pandemic of its like we've never known. Please look in your history books at the Spanish flu of 1918. Young and old people were dying by the droves. It was significantly worse than this. Proof coronavirus, how quickly it has grown. We will all get through it, but things won't be the same. What will we learn from this dark turn? How will our lives be changed? I'll tell you how my life has been changed. My life has been changed that I, I will never take anything for granted. I will never take any freedom for granted. I will never allow anyone to encroach on my freedoms. The Constitution gives us enumerated freedoms. Those are ours whether they were in that document or not. Those rights that are in the Constitution and, the, Declar- and the, the Bill of Rights, they are human rights. They are not granted to us by a government. Uh, they are granted to us by the mere fact that we are a being, a human, on, this, on the face of this earth. Um, they're given to us by God, and if you don't have a God, then they're given to you because you're, you're a human but they're not granted to you by a government. And right now, the government is tending to grant them to us. COVID might be scary, 
But hope is on the scene. We'll beat coronavirus when we have that vaccine. Oh! Okay, so I just have to pause it right there. Right when he says when we have that vaccine, his wife is walking in front of the screen. And when he yells, we have that vaccine, she grabs her throat and acts like she's choking and then slowly falls out of the scene. I just think that's odd. It's a very strange hand-arm signal to do when he says when we finally have that vaccine. Oh, oh, coronavirus came from overseas, infecting folks across the land, Seattle, NYC. Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, we're not going to finish the rest of that song, but right when, at that point when I paused it, his wife come. I assume it's his wife, comes into the scene uh, with with the COVID hat off, and she has a packet of Skittles that she's waving around. And and, and this is just amazing that, that we're not talking about the things that will actually help people. Okay, so things that will help is changing your diet, changing the things you eat. Uh, there was an article uh, it was written in October of 19, published in January of 20. So this is all before COVID. And it talks about red meat. And as little as 30 grams of red meat a day can optimize the immune system to help you fight infections. And it says, including coronaviruses. Now, this is a coronavirus. Most seasonal flus, or sorry, let me restate that. Most seasonal uh, colds are either coronavirus or adenovirus. Okay, so if we can optimize the immune system wouldn't that be something that we should be telling everyone? But they never say that. They never allude to that. They never want to help you find health. That's the difference. They, they want to control your disease and control you, but they don't want to help you find health to give you freedom. And, and that's what I'm here for is I want to give you options. I don't want to tell you what to think. I want to give you a different perspective. I want to give you the, the doctor of osteopathy perspective, which is to find health and to help you find health, not to treat the disease. Okay, so now let's go into the next video, and this one's just as tough to listen to, but we'll give it a shot here. Somewhere past the pandemic, when we're free. Somewhere past the pandemic, when we're free. Are you not free now? Are you willing to accept that you're not free? Because that's what he is saying. Okay, you're free to do whatever you want. Now, should you be reckless and go make other people ill? No, if you're ill, you should stay at home. You're free to make that decision. I don't need to make that decision for you. No one else should make that decision for you. There's a life I remember Full of activity Somewhere past the pandemic Masks will come off I talked about masks a little bit earlier. They should come off anyways. They're a nidus for infection. Okay? So you have this, this piece of cloth in front of your face that's moist all the time. I see them hanging up in people's cars. You know, the, this is not how masks are supposed to work. You know, if we knew about masks, then maybe we could have prevented uh, the 1918 pandemic. We could have prevented children from becoming paralyzed from polio. You know, if it only took a mask, then maybe we wouldn't have had... So many people die of the swine flu. So many people die of influenza. So many, I mean, like this whole mask idea, it, it doesn't work. It's not science. It's not following the science. And wearing two of them is, is still not following the science. Because if that, that's bro science. It's like, hey, bro, if one works, then two's better. Because two's better than one. Then three's better. Three's better than two. No, that's not science. That's not how it works. No 
but no swab every time we cough. We don't need a nose swab every time we cough. And besides, most of these nose swabs, I don't think any of them are FDA approved to test for this. Okay, well, do your research into PCR testing. The man who invented it. Look up his thoughts and his feelings on Dr. Fauci. He had strong thoughts and feelings about Dr. Fauci before COVID ever came out. The inventor of, of the PCR also stated that it should never be used to diagnose. Well, what it does is it takes little bits of whatever's there, replicates it and replicates it and replicates it, and then you test what you've replicated. If you replicate enough, 40, 45 cycles of replication, then you can find whatever you want to find. Whatever you want, you'll find enough of it. And, and that's, how oft, that's how many cycles of replications that we're doing now. You should probably not do more than 20 to 30 cycles of replication. Even 30 is probably way too high because every time you replicate, you double the number of, of whatever it is that you're replicating. Testing asymptomatic people is absolutely ridiculous. Unless you're symptomatically sick, you, should, you don't need to be tested. And that's what science has always done until the past two years. Now, the people that are symptomatic, instead of sending them home to essentially get more and more ill, allow the virus to grow out of control, um, we should actually treat them. We should give them medications that may be able to help them. We should give them education to help them optimize their immune system, to optimize their health. Uh, I was listening to Peter uh, McCullough just the other day on a podcast. He was talking about how the cytokine storm that we see in patients with COVID is, is from interleukin-6. Interleukin-6 is made by fat cells. This is why we see much, a significantly higher rate of more mortality in obese patients, but no one's saying that. No one's saying, hey, if you're overweight, I'm not fat shaming you. I'm telling you how to get healthy so you don't die from COVID. But it's, it's called fat shaming now. No, um, no one's fat shaming. People are trying to help you do your best so that you can survive this, give you the powers, the keys to take over your life and to, to be the one who directs which way it will go and not be at, at the beck and call of others. As we are gathered here today, COVID's toll has hit and sent us reeling. But partners like the ones right here will help to make the pathway clear to find a true healing. Somewhere past the pandemic, life will resume. We'll all complain about the traffic. Forgetting how we hated Zoom. Somewhere past the pandemic, we'll hug our friends and thank the people in science that brought the pandemic's end. So if you want the pandemic to come to an end, don't live in fear, okay? There are treatments available. There are people that are suppressing treatments that are available. Let's say ivermectin. Safer than Tylenol. I personally took it when I was ill. Worked great. I ran into a patient once that said, Hey, Dr. Sigaloff, that ivermectin you gave me and my wife, it works so good. And it's safer than Tylenol. But we have 
people that are trying to uh, prevent that from getting to you. They're trying to prevent life-saving medications from getting to you, claiming that it's dangerous. Tylenol is actually more dangerous. Cigarettes available over-the-counter, more dangerous. Alcohol, more dangerous. It's these false premises that these people who, you know, they think one thing, and so it's automatically true. My dozen years are almost through, but it's been great to work with you. Let's end COVID now. I can agree with him on that. Let's end COVID right now. So how do we end it? We end it by stop allowing this to control our lives. That's it. You know, if you're metabolically healthy, this is a minor illness. If you're not metabolically healthy, there are plenty that have survived as long as they've had early treatments. And that, that's the key is we, ha- we must have early treatments. But early treatments are being suppressed. You know, you're being told that there's there's a time coming where you may not be able to go buy food for your family. News reports of people asking for papers, asking for vaccine passports, you know, police asking for those things. There's a state up in New England area, or the city up in New England area, where they, they're going to have a vaccine passport. And if you're not, you know, up to date on that, you can't go anywhere. You can't eat anywhere. You can't do anything. Basically, all of your human rights are being removed. But what's interesting about the human rights that are guaranteed to us by our Creator and are also written in in the Bill of Rights, we don't have to do anything to have them. They're ours. Mere existence grants us those. There's nothing we can do, nothing that we need to do to get them. Now, when someone takes them away, that's a problem. That's a violation of human rights. Support everyone to legally challenge those in every single which way they possibly can. It's been described as a death by a thousand paper cuts legally. I think we should do that. I think everything should be done non-violently. All of these fights should most definitely be non-violent, but they should be significant legal battles. There should be no one backing down at this point. And if you've gotten the jab and, and you're okay with that, then great. Are you okay with being forced to take a third, a fourth, a fifth? When does it stop? Are you okay with other people being forced to take this? Okay, well, next year, when it's not this jab, when it's something else, are you okay with being forced to do that? What if this doesn't work the way it says it does? You know, what if, what if this vaccine just isn't all it's cracked up to be? What if we were misled? Let me play something else for you. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety, actually made people worse. There was the history of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in children, which paradoxically made the children worse. One of the HIV vaccines that we tested several years ago actually made individuals more likely to get infected. It didn't just make them more likely to get infected. It actually gave them HIV. We'll discuss that some other time. Okay, so the issue is, if you couldn't tell whose voice that was, that was uh, Anthony Fauci talking about how this has happened before. We've had vaccines that have made people more susceptible to the illness. Interesting, because that was considered heresy in just, you know, not too long ago. You know, one of the ways that that could work is called antibody-dependent enhancement. Let me, let me give you an unrelated way alleged vaccines can also make people more susceptible. 
Uh, most people here have probably heard of allergy shots. Okay, so the premise behind an allergy shot is, let's say, I'm, I have an allergy to, let's say, cedar pollen, and I don't want to be bothered by the cedar pollen anymore. So I go to the allergist, and the allergist determines, oh yeah, it really is cedar pollen. Then they they take these dilutions of cedar pollen, and they they dilute it so minutely, it's you know very 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 dilute, and they inject it under my skin. And then a few weeks later, they inject it again. And then eventually they start raising up how many parts per million that they put into that solution so that my body slowly gets used to that pollen. And then my body goes, oh, okay, well, this can't be too bad if it's in my body all the time. And the concentration level rises and rises. And over time, no longer have problems with cedar pollen. Now let's go to this vaccine, alleged vaccine, this mRNA gene therapy. And again, I've talked about gene therapy before. It does fit within the definition of gene therapy. If you are misled by the term gene therapy, then please go read some different sources to educate yourself on why it is gene therapy and why that's not misleading and why it does not need to change your genetic makeup to be called gene therapy. So if we put a spike protein in you, your body goes, okay, there's this stuff hanging around. It's not good. Let me make antibodies to it. And then we put it in you again. And we're not just really putting it in you. You have to understand that we're putting the directions on how to make it and putting that in you. So it's really your cells making it. And then your body goes, okay, well, this spike proteins is not good. Let me make some antibodies. And then it's going, well, it's still around here. Okay, so maybe it's not so bad. And it's, it's still around. Maybe it's not. And then, you know, 30 days go by and then you get your second shot. And then, okay, well, there's more of this spike protein floating around. And then, you know, six months, however long, goes by, and you get your third shot. And it's like, wow, there's even more of this. Doesn't this sound exactly like how allergy treatment works? And then your fourth shot. And, then your, and now your body goes, well, these spike proteins must not be bad. And let me stop all, making all response to them. Your shield of your immune system will no longer recognize spike proteins at that point. You have just desensitized yourself to the spike protein, just as if we're in allergy treatment, to get rid of your pollen allergy. And that's essentially what we're doing. It may not turn out that that particular issue is true, but it might. We don't know. And that's the thing is nobody knows. And anybody that tells you they know, they're either arrogant or they're ignorant. Too arrogant and ignorant to, to determine. I saw a news article recently talking about how people are having problems with their voice after having COVID. Isn't that, that interesting? I don't know if anyone's listened to Jordan Peterson before, but he talks a lot about your mouth and your voice. And, and he gives the example of the Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid, she wanted to become a human. But to become a human, she had to give up her voice. She had no way of changing the world around her, of expressing her opinions. This really does affect people's voices. I think that's interesting in how it takes away their voice. And how our voice has already been fairly taken away because we our freedoms are being encroached upon. One more thing that I want to leave you with today. There's a man, Ellie Weissel, and I, and I certainly hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, this is a very brave man, a very strong, courageous man. He, he survived Buchenwald. Uh, Buchenwald was a concentration camp. My connection to this is I've had a family member who ended up staying in my house for about two weeks back when Katrina hit New Orleans and then Rita hit Houston. Some distant family member stayed in our house. One of the women that stayed in our house was a survivor of Buchenwald also. I'll tell you something that Ellie quoted as saying. He says, Always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. 
silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. And this is a man who who knows this. And, and you know, people are going to say, oh, well, we're not in Nazi Germany. No, we're not. No, we are not in Nazi Germany. Thank the good Lord. That was a horrible, horrible time. <clears throat> I don't think history repeats itself. I believe it rhymes. And we're starting to see some rhyming words done when people are asking for papers, when they're asking for your vaccine passport, when they're making you a second-class citizen because you're unwilling to inject what they want you to inject into their body, when they're asking you to participate in science experiments without informed consent. In fact, there's a whole series of laws called the Nuremberg Code. Nuremberg Code was codified following the horrible treatment that was given to the Jews and the Gypsies and anyone else who they believe was not worthy of life. Remember, this continues as long as we allow it, as long as we allow it to be pushed around medically, as long as we allow others to control our lives, they will be controlled. But until then, never give in, never surrender. Make bravery more contagious than fear.